Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Christine Heath, coming to you from the Big Island of Hawaii, and I am here today with my sister friend, Judy Sedgman. (laughs) Yes, and I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wishing I was in Hawaii with my sister. <laughs> really? Me too. I wish you were here too. My nephew is coming and um, his sister came about a month ago and it rained the whole time she was here, basically. And then it's been nice since that time. And now he's coming as the rain is supposed to start on Tuesday when he comes. So <laughs> I feel so bad. I'm like, come on, let's get a little sun here. He but must have a little cloud that he brings with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. Funny weather here as it is everywhere, I guess. So today we thought we'd talk about, I guess a good thing we were going to talk about hopelessness, but that's not really what we're going to talk about. We're talking about what the antidote to hopelessness is and how much the field um, can actually promote hopelessness in people. And the impact that that can have on people. Um, one of the things that happens when you're told that you have this disease, you have anxiety, you have depression, is that people start thinking it's like a condition that they have or a disease that they have or something that is got them by the throat. So people will refer to it as my depression or my anxiety But it's an interesting thing that happens when you tell somebody that this is the way you are and you'll probably be like this the rest of your life and you're told that you have this mental illness that will always dog you, how powerful that is to the person you're telling it to. Just by having the MD after your name or the PhD after your name or the master's degree and you tell people that they have a condition they can't get over. In fact, that's usually what we do is take people when they're feeling better and then say, oh, well, you've got this condition, you never get over it, and it'll be with you for life. Well, that's depressing in and of itself. But that's kind of what happened. So Judy and I and a couple of other people are working with this woman who really desperately wants to find happiness. And she somehow got a hold of the Sydney Bank statement and listen to her, she totally had a nice shift into a better state of mind. Now, mind you, she was still pretty busy in her head, but all of the hopelessness went away. And that was so powerful to see that this person who was still thinking way too much and still, you know, going fast, but she found something in herself that allowed that hopelessness to drop away. Well, then she gets thinking again, and because the insight she had wasn't quite deep enough, she got insecure about it, and she got back into her insecure thinking. 
And with it came this hopelessness. And it was very interesting as we worked with her because the things that she was thinking about were things that she's been kind of told in therapy as she processed what a miserable life she's had. And now she really wants to have a better life, but when she's thinking about it, she only has her past, and she's super hopeless about the possibility of it getting better. You can hear all of the therapy and the traditional way of looking at yourself as being sick and the power that has in her own mind, and it keeps her from finding her happiness. You know, like one of the things that happens is that she will have a day when she's feeling a little bit better. And and like many of us, we've already set our minds to be at high levels of insecurity. So it kicks on like a thermostat, and then she starts thinking again, and the next day is like worse than the first day. And then, then it was before the, that she had that kind of shift in consciousness. But the those hopeless thoughts come in because what she gets focused on is how she's back in a bad state of mind. And therefore, it must be true that she's damaged, that she's different, that she's unable to get better. And you can see that take over her. And then she starts thinking about what do I need to do to find my well-being, because on a deeper level, she knows she's got it. Otherwise, she wouldn't bother with it. But she knows she's got it. So then she tries to figure it out by going in the past. And the more she tries to figure it out, the more she gets caught up in the past. The more she gets caught up in the past, the more hopeless she gets. So we're trying to bring her back into the present moment. And the thing I've noticed in doing this Uh, the last few weeks, is that I can see how people might get hopeless themselves because they start listening to what the person is telling you about their condition and how they've been like this their whole life and they're trying really hard and they can't get it. And, And you start then like thinking, well, maybe it is different. Well, maybe there is something here. And I can totally see how the field just goes off in that direction and gets caught up in the hopelessness of the client, right? So it's interesting. To we thought it'd be worth a while to talk today a little bit about hopelessness and how that's just a condition of whatever we've known up to this point. You know, it was funny because today when I met with her, I, I don't talk to her about how she's feeling anymore. I don't ask her if she's better. I don't ask her if she's worse. But she she's she'd been in a really bad place and. So I got this, Judy got this idea that maybe she was having a hormone issue because she was reading this book called Very Well by Hannah Sub, um, Studley. And um, it occurred to her and I was like, oh my God, why didn't that occur to me, right? Like I should have thought of that too. She's, she's 53 and I, I read the book and I, I should have known that, but it never dawned on me to ask her that. So I asked her about that, and she goes, oh, yeah, I'm in perimenopause, and they put me on a high level of hormones because my hormone level was so low. And so they put me on this high level of hormones, and now I think I'm back to normal, my normal levels. 
And I said to her, I said, well, I don't know, but it seems like you need to get that medication checked to see if this is what's causing this, because maybe you're having a reaction to the hormones because you get this kind of pity party going on, which is usually can be traced back to hormone thinking. And uh, I just think you should get it checked. So she didn't want to do that. She was sure that the doctor was right, and it takes forever to get in, blah, blah, blah. So I started reading to her from the book very well, and she, all of us, she's crying. She cried the whole beginning of the session. She started listening. And as she listened to this story about this woman in her life, she started to relax. And then after the first chapter, she said to me, she said, you know, I've always had really bad hormone changes. You know, this might be the week that I'm pre-hormonal. You might be right about that. And and I was like, oh, yeah. She goes, but, you know, I'm, I'm taking this medication, and I'm told that it's the way it should be. And I, and I said, okay, well, let's read chapter two. <laughs> so we, we read on it and read chapter two. And she settled down. And by the time we were done, she was able to have a smile on her face and feel better. Now, we didn't do anything. I didn't try to convince her that she was she should have hope. I didn't try to tell her that she's going to get better because that doesn't work when you're in hopelessness. But if you understand that that's there as the therapist, you know that health is in the person. You just got to keep going at it and you can't go to hopelessness. Even though sometimes the clients really want you to go there with them, you know, and I mean, who hasn't been, I can remember when I was young, a young woman first married and my husband was in the air force and we were stationed in Amarillo, Texas for three months for some training. And it was like, it was just God awful. I mean, it was just all red dust blowing. And then we lived in this horrible apartment that was a, you know, sort of a turnover fast air force rental and it was in terrible condition and it was yucky and the furniture was horrible and the red dust was flying everywhere. And my cat, I had a white cat that turned red every day because it, every time it went outside, it just got covered in this red dust that was always blowing. And so there were several of us wives that used to have coffee together and it was just a giant pity party. You know, when I think back on it, I think what a stupid waste of time. <laughs> Because we were only going to be there for three months. We couldn't control the dust. You know, we couldn't control the weather in Amarillo, Texas. We couldn't control the fact that we were living in this crappy housing. That was the housing. Mm -hmm. You know, all we had to do was put up with it for three months and make the best of it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that then. And so we we kind of made the worst of it, you know, and I was always complaining, (laughs) typing. and, And I thought, I can see how this happens, you know, because one person starts talking to another person who says, oh, yeah, you think that's bad. Well, you hear what happened in my apartment. (laughs) And everybody kind of does this one-up negative thing. Or the people that just can't stand to sit around and talk about negativity drop out of the group, you know, because they don't want to hear it. And I, at some point about two months in, I dropped out of the group because I, I was I was trying to write my master's thesis while I was there. I had done all the research and I was almost through and I needed to get my thesis turned in and I just couldn't keep going to these coffees because then I'd be, you know, just bummed out and I needed to be, you know, really excited about my thesis and get into it. 
So I just stopped going and I felt much better immediately because I just wasn't thinking about it anymore. And of course, I didn't know that then. But now as I look back on it, I think that's always the way it is. You know, when your mind goes away from yourself and your troubles and the, and the stuff that's going on that bothers you, uh, it just goes into neutral. And then you get back in touch with your innate health. You know, as soon as your mind quiets down and gets into neutral, you're back in you're yourself again. You're not what you think is wrong. You're just in the moment yourself. And I think we've all, uh, I mean, we dealt kind of, I, I would say 50% of the clients I deal with are hopeless when I first start talking to them. And when I talk to them about having, you know, this beautiful power that all of us share, you know, this formless energy of life, this divine power, they're like, oh yeah, right. And, and yet, you know, the funny thing is, I think it resonates in, at some level with people. They go, well, what if it's true? You know, because it's obviously, if it's true, it's the answer. And if it's not true, they're screwed because they know how to think negative. You know, they've already experimented with that and it's never helped them. And so it's kind of a, it's a, it's a challenge. But I realized that if I was a traditionally trained, traditional therapist, I could easily end up burnt out and just go, I can't talk to these people anymore because I just can't. They're just all hopeless and it's so sad and I can't fix their past and they keep wanting to talk about it. And, and of course, we're teaching them to talk about it. And I know that only because for several years I worked in a women's center where a lot of our clients were people who no longer could afford or had run out of insurance to cover mental health care. And we were a free clinic. We were funded by grants. And so we were the court of last resort. If you needed mental health help and you couldn't go to a, you know, traditional therapist, you came to us. And, um, but they had what I call the therapy habit because they would come in and sit down and they'd say, okay, now I got to do this again because it's a new person I'm talking to. So yes, my mother was a bitch and my father was horrible and my uncle abused me and my grandfather was, you know, beating my grandmother and I had a horrible childhood and everything was awful and I got bullied in school and then I almost flunked out of 11th grade and they, they just start, it's like a mantra and they've told the story so many times it doesn't even mean anything to them anymore until they get to the part where, and the therapist told me I'd never recover from that. And I would say, well, it's fortunate that I'm not that therapist. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going to tell you that that's over and you have already recovered from it because you're still alive and you're here and you're still seeing a therapist. So you must have some hope somewhere deep down that something could be different. No, I don't have any hope. And I'm going like, well, what are you doing here? You know, you didn't have to come to the free clinic just because it's free. I mean, you, know, you could have just given up on yourself. But people don't, we don't give up on ourselves because we do have wisdom and we do have innate health. And that's what we want to focus on here. That hope is just getting back in touch with your natural, in the moment, wisdom that everybody has. And, you know, the other thing, too, Judy, that's really true about what you said is that when people in the traditional world when you go in and you're talking about 
I mean, some people do have really god-awful pasts. They have been through more than, way more than I've been through, that's for sure. And um, which is interesting because I haven't gone through that and I still had plenty goofy thinking, you know. (laughs) It's kind of the proof that your life has nothing to do with how bad you can think about it. Um, But it's, um, it's just interesting because you, you kind of get, some people are born into a level of consciousness and a family that's operating at a level of consciousness that's very low. Drug abuse and violence and sex abuse and, you know, just a lot of crazy thinking. So that becomes their normal. And then they start having bad things happen because they're living at that level of consciousness. And then they go, see, this is the rest of my world. Why doesn't my life get different? And, and, Everybody wants to have a better life, but they're using the same thinking to try to get it, right? And and you can't. You have to. Um, you have to let go of the past. You have to see that the past is truly just a thought now, and hopelessness only comes from thinking that things can't change. And it's easy to get that if you have a life full of things that are negative, because you're putting all that information together to call it the future. But the future has an end. You don't know. You could, you know, something can shift tomorrow. Like we both had shifts at the moment. Our lives changed. Absolutely. And so that and that can happen for anybody. You know, like my mother said, she said, you tell your clients, this can work for you, for anybody. So you know how bad I was. But, you know, that's the truth is that all anybody, everybody has innate health. And what that does for the therapist is that it keeps you focused on drawing that out of people and not being distracted by the hopelessness because it's very distracting. People suffer greatly from their hopelessness. They have a lot. They have, they're like lawyers. They build a full case on why it's true that they're hopeless. Yes, and, and why they'll never change. And why that'll never change. That's right. That's right. And it seems real to them. So if you start listening to that as a therapist, you start to then see the same reality they see. Well, that's not going to help them, and it's going to burn you out. But if you know that they're healthy no matter what, and sometimes it's it 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 like you got to keep yourself from going to how bad this person is not changing, <laughs> how poorly, how little this person is not changing. Excuse me. Because, you know, when you teach the principles, people change pretty darn fast. So when somebody's like really embedded in that thinking that I am a damaged person, I am not lovable, there is something different about me, and that's why I've suffered for 53 years, that thinking is very daunting if you take it on. And you cannot, when a person is caught up in hopelessness, you cannot talk them out of it. I'm telling you. You have to go to change their state of mind. If the state of mind changes, they'll find their own hope. And I think that's the, that's the secret sauce, is that hope is, I always think of hope as like the little pilot light on my gas stove. You know, I don't pay attention. I don't look to see if it's lit. I don't worry about it. Every time I turn the stove on, the flames come up. And so the little pilot light is always there, but until you open the gasket and turn the stove on, it doesn't light the stove and you don't see it. 
And so that's really how invisible innate health is to people. It's like they have a gas stove and they don't even know that they could cook on it. That's right. And, um, and also it's like, you know, your heart goes out to people that are suffering. I mean, nobody likes to watch another person suffer, but you can't encourage it by talking about it. It's like the more you talk about their suffering with them, the more they suffer because they've got more thoughts than you can imagine to bring in. Oh yeah, I almost forgot about my uncle. I never told you that story. You know, and then you can you could become an endless loop, but yet sometimes we've all had clients that that, that think we're heartless because we don't want to pursue those stories. You know, so there's a happy balance. And then uh, I had a client recently who said to me, so are you trying to tell me that I shouldn't care that all these terrible things happened? And no, I'm not saying you shouldn't care, but you can't do that for the rest of your life. You know, you just have to say, I'm sorry it happened. I wish it hadn't happened. It'd be nice if it didn't, but it did. And you can't change it. And I, the, the fact that we can we cannot make the past better than it was and you can't kid yourself either. You can lie to your friends about it, but you can't lie to yourself about it. You know, so you have to accept that life is fate and we have to bad times and good times. And that the higher level of consciousness people live at, the more good times they have, not necessarily because life changes, but because they're healthy thinking about life changes. They can ride the wave, so to say. And I know Bill, Bill Pettit used to describe it as being um, grateful when you're, in, when you're at a high level and graceful when you're low. You know, just accept the fact that, yeah, we all have low moods. You know, and I, was, I was telling recently that I was one client that only calls when they're in a low mood. You know, they, want it, they, they need an appointment right away because they're in a low mood. And I told the client, I said, you know, People have low moods. <laughs> you don't really need to keep having me remind you that it'll pass because if you if I made you wait for a week for an appointment, it would pass you know, <laughs> before you even talk to me. And I remember there was a study that actually was done, and I think it was published in a psychiatric journal. I, Bill Pettit showed it to me years ago. But about there was a shortage of psychiatrists and people had to wait a long time. So they would have this burning problem that they really wanted to see a psychiatrist about or a psychologist, and they would call and they'd have to wait like six weeks to get an appointment. And they, they studied to see how many people actually kept those appointments, and a lot of people didn't. So they surveyed the people that canceled the appointments. And the answer was, well, I don't know. I felt better after I'd made the appointment. I figured, well, help is on the way. And I kind of got my problem off my mind. And by the time the day came, I didn't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> that was the usual answer. And that's health. That's their health. The psychiatrist never said a word to them. They didn't even meet the psychiatrist. But just making the appointment, let them let that problem go and get it off their mind because they had somebody that was going to talk to them pretty soon about it. And that's kind of like you can do that for yourself all the time. And many, we, we do. We you know, moods come and go and we get distracted from our low mood thinking and like, you know, dogs, cats, other people, phone calls, television shows, everything in life is distracting. And as soon as we stop thinking about ourselves, you know, and get back in the moment in life, it's gone 
because thoughts have, there's not like thoughts or like typewritten pages that are, <laughs> you've got to tear them up. It's like thoughts are just like smoke. They pass through the air. And as long as you're focused on them, they're there. But when, as soon as you give them no more power, they, they just poof. It's like blowing bubbles. As long as you're blowing bubble through the little pipe, the bubble gets bigger and bigger. And as soon as there's no more air, the bubble pops. That's a great metaphor. Much is said in silence, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just thinking as we were talking about this, you know, um, hopelessness is just negative thinking that's justified, that you've justified to yourself, that there's something about you, about your life that you can't change. And as a result of that, you're going to suffer. It's kind of basically what hopelessness is. So challenge yourselves. You know, like I was just thinking what we should do the next podcast on is really getting to know yourself because that's, you have to see what your hopeless thoughts are. You know, like some people think, oh, I could never, never get married. No one would ever love me. So, you know, they stay home and don't go out and wonder why nobody comes to the door and asks them to marry them. But, you know, it's, it, it, it's like you, you, have to, you have to take yourself on and get to know your own thinking and, and understand that just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Because when you think it over and over and over again, after a while, it seems like this is God speaking. You are a mess. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because it seems like it's true. But it's just thought. So don't let anybody tell you you can't get better. No matter what they diagnose you as, know that it might be a it might be a journey. You know, it might take some effort on your part to keep turning yourself in the direction of your health. But if you're determined, you want to get better, you can. And I don't care what your diagnosis is or who you are. That that's a possibility for everybody. And if you don't lose sight of that, you won't get overwhelmed with hopelessness. And if you're a provider, what a great job! Yeah. Just seeing the health in people, it's a, it, it is beautiful. It really is. It's a beautiful experience when it, when it wakes up and their whole face changes and their eyes get bright and you see a smile you've never seen before and you know it's real, even though it may be only real for a few minutes before they start having hopeless thoughts again, it's evidence that it's there, that it happened. It gives you something to go back with and say, remember like yesterday? <laughs> When we were laughing and the person will go, yeah, but that was yesterday. Well, yeah, but you did it. No. You know, that, that's really an important point. That's really an important point because what happens with us is that you get used to living in misery and then you start feeling better. And then you go back to your thinking, you go back to misery. Well, now your misery actually seems worse than it was before. Because you've got a little reprieve on it, right? But you've got to realize that you can't discount that fact that you felt better. Because if you could feel better for a day or for an hour, you can feel better for the rest of your life. That's right. You have it in you. And that's the living proof. Well, with that, I think we could say goodbye and maybe we'll do the second part of this uh, series on getting to know yourself here because it's a good idea. So we'll talk to you soon. Aloha. Bye-bye.
We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 